0: Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear nasal spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean not just rinse your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing... Get Clear Today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else.
1: The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know that I'm determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Joining me today is a special guest. Dr. Diva Nagula is a board-certified osteopathic physician and has extensive knowledge and training in integrative and functional medicine. Dr. Nagula is in Washington, a Washington, D.C. native and grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. His interest in medicine developed at an early age when he decided to follow in his father's footsteps and practice medicine. He has had a very interesting career. He spent some time in Georgia, but after several years, and I want him to tell the story, so I'm not going to give too much away, but after several years of fighting cancer, he remains in complete remission. At the time of his diagnosis, he developed an interest in integrative and functional medicine and an approach to treating the whole patient. He realized his poor lifestyle choices, extreme stress, lack of sleep, infrequent exercise, and the standard American processed diet contributed to his diagnoses. So Dr. Nagula, welcome to the show. You have written a book, I believe, from doctor to patient, beating cancer through mind, body, and spirit. You sound like you have an amazing story of healing. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to be a doctor diagnosed with cancer and how it redirected your course.
2: Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show today. Uh, Essentially, my story started um, in 2014. And what had happened was prior to that, I had been practicing in interventional pain management and I had started my own practice and I went through the entire uh, process of entrepreneurship, uh, not knowing what I was doing because they don't teach you business in medical school. They and I, and I, and I built, built the medical practice up and uh, I actually worked really hard and I got burnt out. I built up two offices in two different states and a surgery center. And that was I was just had 25 employees. I just was really burnt out and decided to exit. Uh, about a year later, and, and I went to the doctor's office. And this whole year I wasn't working. I'd ex, after my exit, and I figured you know I was really I just gotten married. I was ready to turn a new chapter in my life, mm-hmm. and and I was feeling great, uh, no stress. And then I went to the doctor's office for a routine uh, visit. And at this visit, the complaint that I had to my physician was that what are these like like cysts that are on my neck? And there were like two of them in the last month or so, it was actually growing and they were palpable. They were noticeable if you were able to look in the mirror. And he told me, he says, you know, I don't think there's cysts. I think your lymph nodes are enlarged. Let's go ahead and get some scans done and see what happens. I got, I got, went to the scans. I got some PET scans, the CAT scans done. And it turned out that my lymph nodes were enlarged everywhere. Mm. And, Typically, lymph nodes are one to two millimeters in size. My lymph nodes at the time were one to two centimeters in size. So at that point, he, he had a, a look on his face that he was concerned. But um, he said that there were multiple reasons why you're going to have enlarged lymph nodes. But he says, let's go to an oncologist to get the workup done. Okay. Onco- the word oncologist didn't sound really good, but I understand right. that that was the next thing to do. Um, after a battery of tests and after a, a lymph node biopsy and bone marrow biopsy. I went back to the physician's office and gave me the news that I had stage four non-Hodgkin's
1: lymphoma. Wow. Yeah. You know, it, it's, is it was it surprising to you as a physician to be given that diagnosis? I mean, how did you wrap your head around that? Because I think, you know, people think, okay, we're doctors, we're gonna catch things real quickly on ourselves, but that's not really the way things play out. Like, what was that like to know that you're a physician and that you've had this disease and you probably for some time now. What, what was going through your mind?
2: Yeah. When he told me the news, I mean, my wife at the time was bawling. I, I did, It didn't register for me because I, it didn't correlate because I was feeling really well. And I, I was like, how is this even possible? I'm At the prime of my life, I had no stress at this point. And that's what my thoughts were. Mm -hmm. And it didn't make any sense. And it wasn't until after I really did a lot of research and really understand what the etiology and the causes were of this cancer, then it it dawned on me that it was not just a specific instance. It wasn't um, a specific month in my life. It was a culmination of things that brew over a long period of time. And it really boiled down to lifestyle strategies that I wow. was, that I was espousing.
1: Wow. So what happens next? You get this diagnosis of state. And how long ago is that, by the way? Give us a yeah, sense of So
2: time. I was diagnosed in 2014.
1: Okay. So almost yeah. five or six years ago. So you get diagnosed yeah. and what happens next? What, where yeah. does your journey take you next?
2: So at that point, um, I, I, since I was feeling okay, um the option for me was to do what was called watch and wait mm-hmm. and watch and wait is a period of time where you can actually sit and kind of watch to see if the cancer regresses or if actually advances and oh. and they they were actually saying that for me that was an option but some doctors wanted me to push for aggressive chemo so I watched and wait for six months I basically you know altered my diet I tried to be really good with my lifestyle at that point I tried to get catch up on sleep and just really be really gentle to my body. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, uh, it took a turn six months later, and I started having this back pain. And the back pain was ready to get into my groin. And as physicians, we know, okay, that's kidney stones, right? And um, so we got some films, and it turned out that the um, cancer had actually grown more aggressive. The one to two centimeters of lymph nodes were no longer... um, Distinguishable anymore. They were actually a big mass that got together. Mm-hmm. All the lymph nodes were were just kind of put together in this mass, and it was encroaching on my kidney, and that was what's causing my pain. And so at that point, it was let's. I had to get, I had to do chemotherapy right away.
1: Goodness gracious! And so, how long was the chemo? Did you have to do chemo and radiation, or was it chemo primarily? Or
2: so it was chemo and immunotherapy. So it was a day and a half of infusions per month for a total of six rounds. Um, so it was six months of chemo that I had to go through. And um,
1: okay. I, I was
2: going to say that at, at, after, five, after five months of it, um, I, I I couldn't bear another month because my immune system was so shot and so compromised from the aggressive chemo immunotherapy that they said I couldn't do a six. And anything like a cold or a virus could have really tipped me. to the scales for me and put me over the edge and could have killed me
1: yeah so was it successful did it did the chemo yeah. kind of
2: yeah so secure- everything at that point yeah I was put into remission and they did all the scans and everything was really gone and so at that point it was okay what now what do I do and um, at then it was me discovering how to beat this um, you know and stay in remission and really change my lifestyle where I would be living a life where it was very preventative and very clean and I had to research, and that's when I got into integrative medicine. At the time, I applied to Dr. Andy Wiles fellowship at University of Arizona.
1: When were and you there? Accepted. Out of curiosity,
2: I started in 2014.
1: 14. Okay, so yeah. I was I, I did mine. I think I was there 06 to 08. But oh, life changing, wow. okay. wasn't it? I mean, that's yeah. a life changing program. At least it was Pretty for sure me. Is. I mean, uh, just in terms of thinking about medicine differently, thinking about health differently. How did you now, so had you already started making changes before you did the fellowship or was the fellowship kind of that kick that was like, okay, yeah, put the pieces together. Uh, I'm curious as to kind of what, how did that play out for you?
2: For me, so I was really more concentrated on the diet portion because I thought the diet was really what was the single reason why I got the cancer because I, I was eating crap all my entire life after I left my parents' house from high school. You know, it was processed food after processed food. Mm. And it was, I knew McDonald's wasn't very healthy, but I was like, okay, let's go to Subway. And, you know, they have some some more vegetables. You know, it was more vegetables than I had had put into my body because the only thing I was eating was burgers and that scrap of lettuce and tomato that they gave you. That was Mm -hmm. my vegetable content. So I knew I had to change my diet, processed foods and limiting sugary beverages. And then the big thing is, was I had to eliminate, I had to start eating organic. And the main reason was because I had to eliminate um, glyphosate in my diet. And glyphosate is everywhere. Right. And um, that, for me, when I found out that there was a high correlation between glyphosate and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it, it dawned on me that that was a major culprit in, in terms of why I had cancer, why I had non-Hodgkin's
1: Glyphosate, lymphoma. for everybody watching, is one of the major pesticide derivatives. It's in Roundup, and it's... It's probably in our air and water at this point, but it's been linked to a lot of lymphomas, especially non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in particular. Did you live near a farming community or grow up in an area where your exposure to glyphosate may have been higher than somebody else's or not necessarily?
2: No, I mean, I, I, now I look at it, it could have been that my, my detox mechanisms, you know, my we're internal impaired. mechanisms were, were impaired. Yeah. Um, I was living in Florida at the, at the time. And so I was around, um, you know, you around, you was, I was outside. So mm-hmm. I played a lot of golf. So, you know, the roundup is obviously used in golf right. courses, you know, so it could have been something there, but I didn't have any, 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 um, quantitative tests at that time. So I didn't know. Um, but I knew that I had to eat better anyway, so I might as well switch to organic because the better nutrient content, elimination of any pesticides that could have been compromising my health.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, this was a culmination, this diagnosis, your stage four non Hodgkin's lymphoma, was a culmination of many things over the course of your life, even maybe going back to childhood. Can you explain that a little bit? Because, you know, many people that get a cancer diagnosis, it's like, oh my gosh, I got cancer. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, uh, this is is random. And I think you and I, because of the training we've had, we know it's not that random, but it's also very complicated in terms of how it all, you know, goes down. So give us a little sense of that. What do you think? We know glyphosate is a factor you think was at play. What else do you think was at play for you? in this diagnosis?
2: Honestly, I I thought about this and this kind of dawned on me recently and it it was brought to my attention that my mother, when she came over to this country um, um, from India, Mm -hmm. she was carrying me and she was with my dad and they basically um, um, had me three months after they came to this country. The three months before I was born, my mom wasn't eating very well. She was very homesick and she was Having a lot of trauma, mm-hmm. and um, when and my mom actually lost a lot of weight. And when I came out, I was an inconsolable uh, infant, and I believe that I it, I was experiencing trauma in utero. Wow! And so I believe that when I came out, I was in fight or flight, and this kind of stayed with me for the rest of my life until you know recently, um, and the tra- trauma that I experienced and the being in fight or flight was just um, is obviously, as we know, puts us into a state of, of, uh, of stress, mm-hmm. physiological stress that impairs our health in multiple ways. And I feel that that was a contributing factor. And you put everything else together with the glyphosate exposure, the stress at work, the, the sleepless nights, boom, I, it was a perfect recipe and perfect storm for me getting lymphoma.
1: So were you, okay, so let's let's wind back to that. It's really important and it's different, right? Like most people say it was my diet, it was my stress, but you're taking this all the way back to being in utero. I find that whole concept really fascinating. You know, I one of my TED Talks was on uh, how a lot of these emotions are in our DNA. They're in our mitochondria yep. and it's like we have to consciously work to reprogram it and, and change them. Were you conscious of this trauma? Were you conscious of being in fight or flight as a child, as an adolescent, as a med student? Were you aware of any of this?
2: I, I was never really aware that I was in a stage of fight or flight. It, for me, it was it was a normal way of living. It was the normal from the norm for me. Mm. You know, being under a lot of pressure from home, my parents putting a lot of pressure with me to do well in school put the pressure that I put in myself, I was always on edge. And it, it, it when I really thought about it more and more, it made me think about what I was experiencing when I came out. And the first few months, my mom could never console me. And mm. so I, I didn't have that bond with my mother. And so it really showed, it really demonstrated to me that I was constantly in some sort of fight or flight. And these epigenetic changes that occurred in utero really influenced my life after I was born. And I, I never really got out of that. I mean, and so a lot of the pressures that were put into me really infl- really was uh, a way that it um, fostered those epigenetic changes that were in when I was experiencing in utero. So I never really got out of that. Um, and yeah, I think that's what was a big Contributing wow. Factor for-
1: so for anybody out there who might be pregnant or thinking about starting a family, I think this is such important, such an important insight. And it's actually, while it's novel to us in Chinese medicine, they very much believed that they called it the Wei Qi of the mom, the the Ren, the connection between different meridians and how in utero at conception that energy was determined and then the child would grow and conceive and then come out with whatever sort of predetermined issues that, that had happened in utero based on the health of the mother. So this was a very old Chinese medicine concept preconception is something that we're just starting to understand in the Western world, but something very much that older systems of medicine really, really harped upon and wanted the mother to be emotionally healthy, physically healthy, nutritionally healthy before conceiving. So I find that so interesting. Now, what for you as, you know, in your journey as a patient, you know, obviously understanding this concept, understanding where your fight or flight may have played in, I always say many diseases are a series of hits, usually a minimum of three, sometimes up to five different hits, understanding that you continue to take hits throughout your life and your career. Where has that shifted you today? Where are you today? What are you practicing? What do you believe in? And what's your advice to somebody out there who might be in the middle of a health battle and not really sure what to do next?
2: Right. And that's why I feel it's all about a balance. And that's what I write my book. It's about a balance of mind, body, and spirit. And I had the body part down. It was, not, it was not until I started to really write my book that I actually do a lot of research and determined that I was out of sync with mind and spirit. So now the mind is a huge focus. And the way that I actually focus on that is really practice mindfulness exercises. And, um, you know, mindfulness, as you know, is really being more in the moment and having moment to moment awareness and meditation. And those really types of things, um, really put me more in the moment and really, and really shift myself more into a parasympathetic and away from fight or flight. And, um, meditation is one aspect I do. I do yoga because that's a mind body technique. That's actually categorized under mindfulness, um, and things like that, that I really do. Um, One of the other things that I actually also really understood about myself was that my spiritual self was also lacking. Mm. And the way it was lacking was was because um, even though I I grew up in a religious household, I didn't have any spirituality. And for me, spirituality was, um, I didn't understand what it meant because it hit home and I started understanding that I was alone. And I was around people a lot, but I felt awfully alone and I mm. didn't have any connection. I researched a fact that stated that loneliness is a huge mortality. It's more so of a mortality and as a risk, for, as a risk factor for mortality, more so than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, more so wow. than drinking alcohol on a regular basis, and more so than obesity. And when I determined that, I was, I was, it to me, it dawned on me. I'm like, wow, I, I was extremely alone. Even though I was around people, I just didn't find connection with, with anyone. And when I when I learned that it was a huge risk factor for mortality, it made me realize that I needed to find connection. I needed to find a tribe. And I've, since I moved back to the DC area, I found a tribe. I found more people that I could connect with and that combined with eating correctly Exercising and practicing mindfulness to me has really been the true, true um trio um to really help me help balance my lifestyle.
1: Wow. And you know, so many of our healers say you won't heal unless you're in a place where you're calm and focused and present and mindful. Otherwise, the stress hormones get out of control. You know, one thing that I find fascinating is spirituality is something that you know, how do you know that you're not connected to spirit? There are people that have grown up in religious traditions. And so they have rituals and routines that bring them comfort. They have had a sense of spirit maybe growing up, but there are others who have never had that and they don't know how to foster that relationship. Where would you tell somebody to start? I meet people like you all the time who are just a little bit disconnected. They're lost. They don't know how to reestablish that connection to spirit and that sense of loneliness. I feel alone. I feel discouraged, you know, kind of as pervasive. How would you advise them, you know, to start and start, you know, or how would you advise me, you know, even if I'm talking to them, like, how do I lead people on that path of spirituality when they themselves are struggling and you don't want to ring a religious bell or any of those type of things. You really just more want them connected to, to spirit.
2: It's a really good question. And what I've found through research is that the key to, to unlocking loneliness and to um, really treat loneliness is through service. So if you're of service to others, it really gets you out of that loneliness mentality. Hmm. It also fosters connection. Mm-hmm. And it also it, it fosters the sense of community that you belong and that you're actually giving to others. And that enhances spirituality and the spiritual well-being. So that's what I've been doing more of. In the past, when I was younger, it was all about making as much money as I possibly could, attaining power, um, notoriety. Now it's, it's more really about um, connection and, and being of service to others. And I think that's how you can break out that loneliness cycle.
1: So powerful. Such great information. What is your, you know, we're almost out of time here and there's so much more that we could have talked about, but what's your advice to folks out there? Where would you tell them to start? You know, they may have a cancer diagnosis. You've been a doctor, you've been a patient, you're both. Where should they start? What, What would you advise them to do? And then if they do want to connect with you and learn more from you, what's the best way for them to go about that?
2: Yeah. The three things I, I would advocate to doing is really change your diet, eliminate processed foods and sugary beverages, really put into yourself into some sort of um, meditative practice, um, whether it's breathing exercises or some sort of mind body exercise like yoga, Tai Chi, um, Qigong. Um, and thirdly, is really about um, finding connection. Mm. And, and we're all lonely, and we're all, especially during this, this era. Um, You know, we're not with social distancing. We really want to uh, foster relationships. And we can do that by picking up on the phone and spending five to 10 minutes with someone that we love. Um, So those are my three important strategies. And you can find more information about me through my website from doctortopatient.com. I also have a web uh, podcast series that's also called From Doctor to Patient. And you can also find my book on Amazon, which is, uh, of course, called From Doctor to Patient, Healing Cancer Through Mind, Body, and Spirit.
1: Fascinating journey, fascinating information. I got to ask one more question before I let you go, because yes. I just saw it in my notes here. Psychedelics, you've tried that world. You've been in that world. What do you think? We might have to do a separate show just on that. But Tell me what yeah, you're thinking uh, there.
2: Yeah, psychedelics actually kind of opened up my spiritual um, mentality. It allowed me to understand that we're all connected. we ha- It gave me the sense of purpose that I needed to find. And um, that there's a it's a bigger picture out there. There's a universe that we actually are connected to. Hmm. Once I once I made that realization through psychedelics, it, it, a lot of things started to click for me.
1: And by psychedelics, you're referring to mushrooms or what in particular? Yeah,
2: yeah specifically my my journeys have been typically with um, psilocybin, which is the active ingredient yeah. with magic mushrooms. Yeah.
1: Fascinating. We're going to have to talk more about that. More and more people are talking about mushrooms and and their power and how it helps you with um, identifying your spirituality. But Such an interesting journey. I'm glad you're healthy and well and safe and keep up all the good work and keep us all motivated in the world of spirituality and mindfulness as it comes to healing, especially in these chronic diseases, because that is the epidemic really of of the future is dealing with all of this stuff and helping people to understand how it fits together and how to get themselves out of that. So thank you for everybody else. Thank you for watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to rate and review it and share it with your friends. We're on Spotify, by the way, as well. And I will see you guys next time.